Welcome. I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic. This is Dominic Pace, who plays Gekko the Bounty Hunter from The Mandalorian. Hi, I'm Claudia Gray. I write Star Wars books. And you're listening. And you are listening to Star Wars Comics in Canon. The Force is strong with this one. Hello there and welcome to Star Wars Comics in Canon, your guide to the wider Star Wars canon through the comic book lens. And to take you on this journey, I'm your host, Mike Burton. And so we begin episode 30. Obviously this chat is actually with myself and Tony, but I thought I would just do a little quick intro-y thing before the chat with Tony gets started. Uh, I just want to clarify that we have an Afra discussion and Darth Vader discussion. I would recommend listening to the uh, multiple episodes that I have done on the Darth Vader comics, um, which introduces Afra. Um, episodes 15, 17, 19, 23, and 29 all make this chat make a bit more sense. However, this chat is also a good way that if you haven't listened to those episodes and you're not really that interested in the Darth Vader comics, but you're interested in the Dr. Aphra comics going forward, then this is a good way of us just kind of generally discussing Dr. Aphra so you have an idea who she is, because in the coming weeks, I'm then going to start on the Dr. Aphra run, which basically picks up right where the Darth Vader comics finished as well. So there's a little bit of information of that in the description. Uh, but I also want to clarify that me and Tony at some point say something about spoilers for the first volume of the Aphra comics, which is the first six issues, I believe. We only really lightly talk about that. So I would say if you're planning on uh, checking out the first volume of the Afro comics uh, and or listening to my episode specifically about the Afro comics which is going to be in a few weeks time then that's a really good thing to do I'd say it's it's not there's no spoilers in this that so you listen to it it's like very very mild spoilers actually what happens doesn't get spoiled and it is a really cool thing so in the chat we weren't sure how far we were going to delve into it so I thought I'd just pop this in and say you can still listen to this even if you haven't read the Afro comics and if you're going to read the Afro comics or if you're going to listen to the episode I do with the Afro comics it was still going to work really well as well so I just want to throw that in there guys and obviously you know you can catch Tony on Indie Comics Spotlight which gets released on Fridays and then at the end I'm just going to pop in again just to give a bit of insight into what's coming up so really hope you guys enjoy the chat this is the introduction i'm here with tony farina this sounds really weird and disjointed from normal because i'm so used to being like episode 21 like genuine chit chat i have to do an intro to things yeah. and star wars comics again i just get into it so yeah. here we are into it i'm here with one of my favorite people tony farina tony introduce yourself and tell people where they can find you Oh, hello. Thanks for having me. So my name's Tony and uh, I'm a Gemini and uh, you can find me online at Tricycle Boombox is my Twitter. And I have a show on this very network called uh, Indie Comics Spotlight. Uh, Mike has been a guest. Mike is a future guest in a few weeks after this. Uh, Mike will be on and we're going to talk together. We're going to interview the one of the best working comic writers Mark Russell. So that's exciting. Very excited about that. That's going to be so fun. That's just like in two weeks from now. Can you believe that's going to happen? I know. It's so weird. <laughs> that's so cool. That's so cool. And so, um, yeah, so I'm here because uh, we, I have been, we talked about this the first time we ever met. I grew up a Star Wars fan. My earliest memory is seeing uh, Star Wars, which is what I still call it, which you call episode four. It was just called Star Wars then in the drive-in movie theater when I was four years old and it's my earliest memory of life. And so Star Wars has been a big deal to me 
but like the, the, sub, the, the other material never really was. It was always just the movies. I had a couple of the Marvel comics when I was a kid of the, the adaptations of the movies, you know? So I had those and uh, that was that. And, and so listen, when you started this show, I just have been trying to keep up I, to the point where I even got a Marvel Unlimited um, uh, subscription so that I could go back. Cause there were some I couldn't find um, uh, anywhere. And so it was like, well, this is, I, if I was going to buy all those spending money on the Marvel Unlimited series made, uh, made more sense. So I've been reading along uh, with your shows and I love the show and it's so informative and people who don't want to read along, I get it, you, but you're missing out because while Mike does a great job, um, there's definitely, he leaves little nuggets of details for us to discover. So, so I was just excited. So you and I were just talking about this and I've loved the, the Vader series is clearly the best thing about everything you've done so far. Yeah. Um, that's not your fault because you didn't write them, but I think it's just <laughs> Kieran Gillen is a genius. And he created Dr. Afra, who is maybe the greatest character in canon um, post. That's my, like, I, I, can't, I love her. So yeah. I'm just excited that you're letting me here to talk about her for an hour. So I love, yeah. It's it's one of those things as well uh, with Star Wars, and th- this is the this is the fun story. This one, of the, this podcast, an excuse for me to talk to you, and also for me to just tell yeah. this story, which I'm about to say. Of let's hear it. We, so obviously, Star Wars. I was really into Star Wars when I was younger. My dad was really into Star Wars. He loved Harrison Ford, so he showed me Indiana Jones and um, uh, Star Wars. And my dad, I think my dad quite wanted to be. Harrison Ford because Indiana Jones had Solo he picked up certain mannerisms from him from them nice. and I noticed that more as I'm older um, and I'm more into Star Wars now than he ever was but he, he really did enjoy them and he showed them to me and he used to um, when new games would come out he would read the paper like reviews about video games and if they're Star Wars-y or sci-fi he would buy them if they got good reviewed and just surprise me with them of games I'd never heard of like some of my favourite games ever were because my dad he didn't, he's never played video games ever. He doesn't really... He was born in 49. Uh, and for anyone who doesn't listen to Genuine Chit Chat may not be aware, he passed away when I was 19. Yeah. So that's like seven years ago. My dad was also born in 49. Really? Think oh, about wow. that. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, well, I've yeah. obviously two older brothers, one who's 17 years older than me and one who's like 20 years older than me. So the reason I click with you and a lot of the guys in comics in motion is because I've got that... Uh, a, a lot of the cool, crazy, weird movies and shit that a lot of people with my age haven't seen. I've seen them because of my cool brothers. <laughs> so, yeah. a lot of random, crazy films. But my dad was really into stuff. Like, he, he was interested in what I was interested in. So, he never cared about video games, but he looked into video games to buy me stuff and things. And there's a game called Super Smash Bros., which is my one of my favorite games ever. And he just bought that for me on a whim, never heard of it. And it's my, loads of my mates' favorite games ever. And my tattoo, um, here which i don't have you seen this tattoo tony i can't remember i haven't seen that one completed yet no uh let's see it's i don't know how it's hard to show you but like yeah because it's on the forearm yeah it's much easier in person but that's stark nice. there and he's got a lightsaber and he's force pushing a stormtrooper and it's basically just the the cover art ooh, uh, the cover art of a game called the force unleashed and i hadn't heard of that game and it's one of the last legends uh, big Legends things that ever came out and it's a game about Darth Vader's secret apprentice between episode 3 and 4 that he trains to surpass Palpatine and Starkill is actually the one who ends up basically causing the rebellion it's a brilliant story it's it's probably one of the best nice. stories in all of Star Wars it's just the character Starkill is so unbelievably powerful it makes no sense like he brings a Star Destroyer down from like just outside the atmosphere pulls it to the planet using the force so it's crazy um, yeah but basically, my dad got me into Star Wars and that sort of jazz and stuff. And I 
Apart from playing the games and watching the movies, I, I enjoyed it as a kid. I used to have a toy lightsaber and stuff. But then episode three came out and then everything started to kind of die down a bit for the most part. And then obviously my dad passed away 2013, 2014. And then obviously Star Wars Force Awakens got announced very shortly after he passed away. And then I went into the sequel trilogy and the new canon with the fresh set of eyes in a sense because I was more adult more mature and also because my dad passed away a lot of what I love about Star Wars comes from just a feeling of joy I get from consuming Star Wars I think that's connected to the passing of my dad and stuff and a lot of good memories I have and so basically when the new canon came in I watched the films I really liked them and then I re-watched the Clone Wars series and I watched Rebels with a friend of mine who I was living with at the time and so I got into the canon more but I hadn't read any of the books. I didn't get into the comics or anything. Uh, and then I bought one book called Ahsoka, which is about a character in the Clone Wars um, between Clone Wars and Rebels. And it's a really good book. And that was it for ages. And then a mate of mine called Alex Hart, who's been on my show, Genuine Chit Chat, um, he got me randomly three variant covers of the first issue of Dr. Aphra. And some of them like one of them on ebay at the moment is going for like 70 dollars so ridiculous and it's like nice and there's three of them one of them's not even on there at all like one of them i can't see on there which is no one will sell it yeah yeah yeah. so and he said when he got them for me he said one there's like a hundred thousand or something or one there's like a million then there's another there's like a hundred thousand there's another there's like ten thousand or something there's the ten to the ten is sort of thing yeah yeah and um so he got me that and i was like well i've got to buy more afro and I was like, I don't want to read these variant covers because they're, 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 so, they're bagged and boarded. They're really nice. They're all in the packaging. So I bought issue number one, which I've got here now. Haha. Nice. Um, and so this is my reading copy. And then I really loved it. And I was like, this is weird and crazy and cool and different. And it's not really like, it's nothing really like Star Wars necessarily. It, it's basically just Indiana Jones set in the Star Wars universe if he was morally bankrupt almost. <laughs> in certain well, ways. the opening scene of Afro One is the opening scene of Raiders. Except yeah. at the end, when the guy comes out, who you think is Afra, but is really just some other random dude, who's the, she's the Belloc, and she kills him. Yeah, it's like amazing. It's like the opening scene is the opening scene of Raiders, and then the first arc of Afra is you know the entire three, the original trilogy of Indiana Jones movies, like kind of compressed into yeah. six issues. Yeah, it's like a love letter to Indiana Jones. Exactly. It's so smart. Yeah, yeah I 100% agree. I'm the right with the creator, obviously, Kieran Gillen, who uh, he created Afra. He said he wanted Indiana Jones, he wanted Afra to be the moral inverse of Indiana Jones, which is because Indiana Jones is like probably 80% good guy, probably 10% bad guy, 10% kind of neutral. He does kind of a couple of things that you're probably like, eh, probably shouldn't, but yeah. generally he's good. Whereas Afra's like the opposite, where she won't like murder children. But she will kill people just to save her skin, and so it's, it's that all weird. the time. Yeah. yeah, and it's, I mean, so the, the reason I even said that big like overarching story was because Afro is actually the reason I even do the show because I got into Afro. Then issue seven of Afro is a crossover event with the main run of Star Wars comics, which is uh, Screaming Citadel, and then then it crossed me with the Star Wars comics, and then I heard loads of stuff about her involvement with uh, Vader because obviously the Vader series is basically a prequel to the Afro series, or. Afra's really a sequel to Vader. And so from me getting those three variant covers, within about a year, I had Vader, Star... Oh, excuse me. Vader, the main run of Star Wars, Afra, and then... Oh, and then a couple of the sort of mini-issues that came out at the same time, you know, I got... I started getting notifications. Oh, there's a Mace Windu miniseries coming out. Oh, I'll just buy them. Oh, there's a one-shot haircut. I'll buy that. And before I knew it, I had like probably about 10% of all canon Star Wars comics. 
And weirdly enough, they, I actually started teetering off with my uh, interest to a degree on the basis that I started dating, I think it was around the time I started dating Megan, and I was trying to save up more money and lots of other things. I just didn't have time, the podcast, genuine chit-chat and stuff. So I, they took a back seat at the back burner, and then obviously I got more into them again. And then once I started the podcast, I was like, I'm going to buy them all. So that long-winded story is basically just because a mate of mine bought me a couple of variant covers. That's I now awesome. have every single canon Star Wars comic apart from six Poe Dameron annuals and the movie adaptations, the, the comic movie adaptations. They're the only ones that are... That's amazing. It is, but it's also kind of sad <laughs> at the same time. Because now you can't get any more. Well, you, now you just keep up with the new ones when they come yeah. out, right? Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's a shame in some way because actually where I've been buying certain things like the Poe Dameron comics, I, I don't buy them individual issues because that'll cost me a fortune and some of them are very collectible now. So I just buy the, the collections, the annuals, the volumes, whatever you call yeah. them. And stacking them, they look so much better because it just looks all clean and nice and they all numbered and stuff. But obviously the issues, the, the trade paperbacks normally get released about three to six months after the last issue of that arc gets released. So it's always a backlog. And because I'm involved in lots of other Star Wars uh, communities on YouTube and things like that, and certain comics are running parallel to other comics as well. So all these things, I'm like, I'm not going to wait. I just twice a month i get a nice little box in from forbidden planet and i open it really excited i was like it can only be one of four comics it can only be one of four but i get excited opening it anyway even though it can only be the second run of afra the third run of vader the second run of star wars or bounty hunters that's it it's the only things it could be because nothing else is out at the moment because i was yeah, yeah. delayed but with you then with uh that's let's, awesome let's talk about afro rather than me just conflating sure. let me give a no, I like quick conflate away yeah. <laughs> me, i'll give a couple of quick bullet points about afro because that's what i'd like to do on this show so her name is dr Chelly lona afro she was born 24 years before the battle of yavin so it's about two years before um attack of the clones slash where the clone war started um so when at the events of the comic, she's about 24, 25, which is my age, uh, which is cool. Well, a bit younger than me. <laughs> um, just to clarify the comics, uh, first set of Afro comics was the 40-issue run, uh, which is what we're kind of vaguely tackling. The second run of Afro started 2020, around May time, but because of COVID delays and stuff, it's not it's only on like issue four or something. And then the main kind of origin story in some ways of Afra, kind of, the, the introduction to Afra was obviously the 25-run Vader comics, which is where she was introduced. So that's really all the background information i'm going to give apart from she also appears in there's a story in a book called certain point of view which is 40 short stories of different perspectives of a new hope and she's in the one called the trigger uh and that's it i'm not going to talk about afro anymore because i just want to talk to tony sorry guys well but no but listen about that i read that um certain point of view and i didn't care for it no um but the afro story was great and the reader um, and I believe she does the audio dramatization of the Afro novel too. She's called January Lavoy. Hmm. She is one of the greatest. I'm a big audiobook person. She's like amazing. Uh, she does this book series where she reads called The Diviners. And she plays like 15 different characters in it. And really, truly, you di- I didn't know it was one person. Like she's that good. She's so amazing. So that also, I listened because I listened to certain point of view at first. Um, and uh, I couldn't get through some of it because it was so terrible. I mean, the most icily stuff. I do want to say that I did. Like me and Tony, you we, warned me. I yeah. did. It's, it's one of the things what I do say to people with with the first series of Clone Wars and first certain point of view. Both. To, I'm one of the biggest Star Wars fans you'll meet. I tell people certain point of view is cracking in small doses, but it there's is. a slog in the middle. The problem is, there's 40 short stories by 40 different authors, and the problem is there's about eight of them that are set in the Mos Eisley Cantina. 
and they're all for just no around. reason. Yeah, and there's this whole thing where it's like this this caper, and it's basically these six people who are trying to like outdo each other in some weird way or trying to like con each other and you get each of their stories i mean the one with the the singer of the band in the cantina whose name mm-hmm. i always forget that's all right and i think the bartender like yeah i think the bartender has a story and his is quite cool because you hear why he hates droids so much which i think is because his family was killed by droids in the clone wars that's cool but when you've just got these six characters and each story is like 10 11 pages you're just like i don't care about any of this at all yeah and it was it, it was a slog I yeah, stopped no, there, right. and then I had to pick it back up again to force myself. And then you get through it, and then all the best stories are like near the end. Towards the end, yeah, the Afro one is great, and I think I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna read the book too, and because January reads it, I'm gonna listen to it because she's amazing. Um, but I think I think of all of the new canon. So to me, the OG, like anything that Lucas created, like even Jar Jar, whatever, those are the people that I you know consider the original canon. That so that. So when I say new canon, for me, this is just my own terminology. It's anything that George didn't create. Mm-hmm. Okay. So of all of the things that I've read that George didn't create that are considered canon, that Afra is the character that I'm sure he's pissed that he didn't create. Like she's so amazing. And I can see the appeal and I can see why she could have, have roped you in because she is, she's not just a morally bankrupt Indiana Jones. She's actually the morally bankrupt Hans. She's Han Solo. Yeah. If he went a different way to the point where, you know, so she's, she's following Indiana Jones's life uh, in that first six issues. She is, but in the Vader run, she is following Han Solo's life. He's, she's got a Wookiee sidekick. Um, but then there's also some Luke because she's got a, an evil version of R2 and 3PO, triple zero and BT. So they, so she's she is this, and she's a woman. So it's like what he, what Kieran Gillen managed to do, I think, was capture the our three main, you know, Han, Luke, and Leia, cram her into one person, and and I think the reason she works in the new canon is because Gillen is aware and is a very careful about the other characters that exist. Where I feel like in that uh, certain point of view. They didn't. It wasn't. They weren't thinking about how do I fit this into the Star Wars world and how do I pay homage to it while expanding the universe. They were just like, "What would be cool is this," and then you're like, "Oh shit, this is supposed to be retelling Episode Four from all these other perspectives," and it wasn't that, you know. So that was. So that's why I think Afterworks. That's my long-winded thing about why I think Afterworks is because it's a love letter to Star Wars while also advancing the plot. And I would say as well, I mean, you touched upon it earlier, and I did forget to mention it, is the, the audiobook. Just for clarity for anyone listening, if if you don't want to read uh, the four issue, or technically five, because Vader Downey is incredible, if you read the five installments of the first run of Vader comics by Kieran Gillen, I would argue that those, as well as the second run of Vader comics done by uh, Charles Saul, are the two best works of any Star Wars uh, comic content. I'd say, and like the, I love this Afro run as well. I will say that this Afro run is probably third, but I just think the Vader stuff is is so good that you you just it's everything I want from Star Wars. It's basically all the brutality that you don't necessarily get. It's basically I describe to people like if you like the scene in Rogue One where Vader goes badass and kills lots of people, that's basically all of the Vader comics. That's just all he does. It, but it isn't though. I hear that and no, I agree. Not. But, but what I love, that's the thing you love. Yeah. My problem is is the Vader worship. I always felt like it was easy to push Darth Vader 
on toys and marketing because you didn't have to pay anybody's likeness. Same with stormtroopers. I actually have, it's actually in, in Lee's office where I have a little flash drive. That's a stormtrooper. Yeah. And you know, his head, his helmet comes off and he's a flash drive in there. And it's easy to do those things. Boba Fett. Why was Boba Fett so popular? It wasn't because Boba Fett's a vicious killer. It's because they could market him and they didn't have to pay an actor. <laughs> right. I mean, think like marketing yeah, wise, yeah. <laughs> if you put Boba Fett's face on something, you're not paying anybody. You're only giving George money. You put Darth Vader's face on it. You're only giving George money. So I think Darth Vader became um, marketed the way that he was because it was cheaper to market him. But then people just kind of, you know, he's, but he's a sociopathic killer. He's not a good guy until I read this, like even what, you know, reading, once I finally see the prequels, I still don't sympathize with him at all. But what Kieran Gillian did is he humanizes him in such a fantastic way. The scene that comes back around at the end of Vader when, and for everybody who's not listened to Mike show, sorry, spoiler time. Um, he, in the middle of the run, he goes to Tatooine and just for fun, just for shits and giggles, he goes and he kills an entire uh, clan of sand people, which are called what I always say. Tuscan what are they Raiders. Called? Tuscan Raiders. Sand people is how Luke called them when I first, so that's always what they I, are. I said to Megan, I want to clarify, we watched it, uh, Rogue One the other day or something, and I was talking about them, and I was like, what are those things called? Or oh, we watched Clone Wars rather than one popped up or Rebels. Uh-huh. And she was like, uh, Tuscan Raiders. And I was like, what What do most people call them? I was like, what do, what do they normally get called? And she was like, uh, and I was like, sand people. I was like, sand people, sand colloquial, people. Tuscan Raiders if you're a nerd. <laughs> well, Sorry. and I'm, I, yeah, no, it's true. And I, I to me, because that's what Luke, when you first meet them, that's what Luke says. Yeah, to, yeah. To 3PL. They're I think of them in my head as both. I write Tuscan Raider slash yeah. sand person. They're just. Nice. Okay. Way. So what I love, and I even, I messaged you when I read this when Vader goes to Tatooine and he just kind of goes rogue and kills a whole clan of sand people because they killed his mom. And it was like, fuck, that was so good. That was the moment in all of this, the first six issues, the first six books or first six movies, excuse me, or Star Wars. I never believed it. I never believed in his humanity, even at the very end when he kills the emperor, spoiler everybody for return of the Jedi. Um, It still didn't, I still didn't care. Like he wasn't redeemed to me. It was like, you know, you're a serial killer. Fuck off. (laughs) And in this, he's still a serial killer, but you see his trauma and Gillen, who, whose series die. I absolutely love. It's about people who get caught inside of a a role-playing game is so good. He's so good. And he deals with like childhood trauma in that too. And so it's like, he, he focuses on the childhood trauma. We forget that Anakin was a slave. We forget that he's moved from one form of slavery, literally, to another form of slavery to be a jet, to be a Padawan. And then he becomes a slave to the Empire. So he's never known freedom. So he's been manipulated this whole life. And while that's always there in the background, it's never addressed. Like I've never just so what I love about the Vader books is that is the way that Gillen gives him humanity in a way that George Lucas couldn't figure out how to do, even though he, George Lucas wrote it. Gillian is using Lucas's canon, but he, hum- I don't know. That's my feeling. What did you, what did, I, what did you think of that? Well, yeah, I mean, wh- when I say with the whole Rogue One thing, I, the, the reason the Vader comics, I mean, I, I love action movies, obviously, but they're not, sure. they're not my favorite kinds of movies. If, if you just said, Hey, do you want to watch an, uh, like when people talk about a Vader film, I'm against that in all honesty, because yeah. Oh yeah. I just think that they'll do exactly what I don't want them to do. Vader. Like Rogue One, one of the best scenes in Rogue One, in my opinion, is the Vader scene. But because no, it's unbelievable. Because oh, there's because nothing in the films. Nothing in the films comes close to that, except probably Anakin killing younglings, Episode Three. So like, yeah, you, you don't get 
that level of showing how powerful Vader was unless right. you explore other content. There's a game called Jedi Fallen Order. and Spoiler alert for people who have played it. It's been out for like two years now. In Fallen Order, one of the last things you fight is Vader, okay? Now, you do not... I want to clarify. You do not fight Vader, okay? You can't fucking fight Vader. Here's you what can. you do. You face him, and you have to fucking run. You go... You try and attack him, you'll get killed immediately. You are with, like, one or two other people who... He's just slaughtering people. He's walking down a corridor, and everything behind him is getting crushed because he walk up to him. He'll just lift you up and just throw you through. Like, he is yeah. so strong. And in the films, the problem is, is that... You only really see him interact with Luke, and that's when he's weakened because the connection to the dark side falters because of his care for his son. And so it doesn't quite hit home how well, not only powerful he is, but as you say, how much. When people see him, they, even because Palpatine, when he speaks to him um, in the films, more so obviously episode six, he calls him friend. He, say, he says, you know, my old friend, but he's not a friend. Palpatine is literally, the, as you say, the slave owner. He holds his chains. Vader's suit is exceptionally susceptible to lightning. There's not weird. Palpatine didn't overlook this and go, oh man. That's it's intentional. It's yeah. Like, it's like the one, like Vader can't really fight Palpatine because Palpatine is way more powerful than he is in the Force. And Vader's never really learned to be able to deflect Force lightning or do anything crazy like that that Yoda or Mace can do. So he's just stuck there being Palpatine's slave. And one of the things I say is that Vader down is probably one of the best showcases oh. of how powerful Vader is. And him is just pages after pages of beautifully drawn badassery. It's just incredible. And how he's so resourceful. Like he, he like some fl- some ships come at him, so he just lifts some rocks to chuck them at him, and then he takes the gun off of one of the ships and then shoots another ship down. It's all craziness. But also, as you say, Gillen laid the groundwork for the expanded Vader. And yeah. with with that, what I'd say is the Charles Saul Vader is set... Which is Vader 2 between yeah. between Empire and Jedi? Uh, no, that's going to be... Between Empire and Jedi is going to be number three, which is by Greg Pak, which is ongoing at the moment. Okay. Vader 2 by Charles Saul is set literally seconds after the end of Return uh, Revenge of the Sith. So, oh, oh, okay. The, so it's it's interesting. It's between... A se- so it's out of order, because this yeah. is between four and five. Yeah, so the first run is between four and five. The second run is after episode three. The third okay. one is between episode five and six. Um, it's weird to to wrap your head around, but well, it's typical Star Wars storytelling. Which I think it's because of Afra, basically, <laughs> because Afra Afra one is between Afra one, uh, Star Wars one, and Darth Vader one are between four and five, and then Star Wars two and Afra two are set between five and six. But Vader three okay. is between five because Vader's. I think Vader's the best selling Star Wars comics because everyone. I believe that. Yeah. So the thing is, with Charles Saul's Vader. It's set like straight after Revenge of the Sith. And what I love about it is that they touch it in the third run of Vader comics, but in the second run of Vader comics after three, after Episode three, he's still not like when you see him, you see him go no and all that crap, and then basically Episode three ends, and then the next time you see him is Rogue One. He right. takes a long time to actually adjust from being the chosen one, one of the most powerful and most respected individuals in the Jedi Order, not necessarily by the other Jedi, but the, the public perception of him, all kinds of things, goes from that to having to basically hide in the shadows, be weaker than this master who he never really wanted to be the... Like, he never wanted to be anyone's slave or anything. As you say, he wanted to rise to the top. And so it shows him really struggling with... The suit itself, like the first few issues is him feeling the suit and being like, this feels weird. And then the next one's him getting his lightsaber, his red one and stuff. So that and him not being able to connect with Padme. And he, there's a whole arc, which is incredible. I won't spoil, but it's him trying to get Padme back. It is insane. It is literally my favorite arc in any Star Wars thing. But 
I do not believe that could have happened and Charles Saul couldn't have done that without Gillen giving this this doorway into Vader. Yeah, I agree because I think what Gillen does and this is what is so clever and this is why Afro works as a, as a lead Vader. Yeah. yeah, it's why Afro works as a Vader spinoff because he found, again, he, I think what George always wanted to do was this, I think, again, I think George, hopefully he reads these books and is like, is impressed that, that somebody saw what he was trying to do. He just didn't have the, I think Lucas is like a big picture guy, you know, like he's got great ideas, but he's not great with the, de- with the details or, and I think that's why in, in Phantom Menace, he went overboard with the details because that was the criticism is like George, you know, cause even Harrison Ford used to say to him, dude, I don't want to say this crap. And he would like, and he would, you know, and they had the one of arguably the greatest um, ghostwriter in all of moviedom on their set in Carrie Fisher, right? I mean, so, you know, all the movies that she went around and fixed and script doctored. So I guarantee there's a lot of, of the original trilogy that are fixed, you know, where, where Harrison Ford would look at her and she would tell him what to say. And then he would probably say that instead. He's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> um, so he would, so I, I'm sure that's why he overreacted. And so I just think it's, but he still gave us this beautiful world that makes me happy. And it, brings so much joy to your life and it brings so much joy to my life. And I think, I think Gillen saw what he wanted to do with Darth Vader and what I think George thinks he did in episode six, but he didn't do. So he's like, <laughs> all right, I'm going to, I'm going to go back. And I'm the, as an excellent, Kieran Gillen is an amazing writer. And I think what he does is he's like, I'm going to take really your big idea and I'm going to do the details that you were unable to do. And so that's why Afro works to spin off because again, there's nuance She's she is bad. Like your your thing about her being, she, you know, the inverse of Indiana Jones. So she's eighty percent bad. Yeah, but she's she's ten percent good. You know, she's she she. I like. I her. don't know who. I like. I like is, her a lot. I like. It is my problem is is that regardless of her sexuality, if I met her in real life, I would fall completely head over heels in love because my my the funny thing is, is opposite to normally. Well, maybe my youth, not so much anymore. Megan, I love her to pieces. She's the best, but. That Megan is the kind of woman I want to marry and have in my life because it's all the cool stuff and like that. But like, if I was like a single man and strutting along the town, I don't think I've ever done in my life. Afra is the kind yeah. of girl that those sorts of way too. She's badass. your manic pixie. She's your manic pixie yeah. dream. A hundred percent, exactly. Like like Ramona Flowers connecting to. Ramona, yeah, yeah, the she is Ramona Flowers. Cool. Yeah. My issue is girls who are too cool for school is what, what my sister-in-law used to say. Once yeah. you think they're too cool for anyone because. They are actually very intelligent and normally are just sick of people, often guys, just trying to one-up them. And they are on another fucking level. They're the girls I could never get and I don't necessarily want, but that sort of, she's the perfect, uh, that kind of girl. Do you know what I mean? Where it's not to objectify her and make her only look like that, but her personality is so strong. And the reason it works for Vader so well is because obviously Vader is one of the most badass characters in, in history of movies or anything because as you say, he's basically just a stone-cold, ridiculously powerful sociopath, psychopathic killer who's got, relatively speaking, no weaknesses apart from Palpatine. So it's like... And his mental abuse and yeah. his post-traumatic stress. Yes. Exactly. So, <laughs> but obviously, really yeah. a lot of those things help him because the more... Of course. With the dark side of the Force, the more fucked up you become, the more powerful you are, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, the reason that Afra works so well with Vader is because... Vader by himself, he doesn't say a lot, and he doesn't do he doesn't do a lot. He walks in, he cleans out, he walks out. 
Yeah. yeah. He is like a f- supernova. And the thing is that Afro, she's more like a whirlwind in a sense. And the good that you get them together, you get this giant, beautiful looking firestorm where it's just, she has, she is brilliant dialogue and she's human. And as, because how much of the Afro series, the standalone Afro series? Just the first six. That's- I didn't know how far, so I didn't want to read too much. I saw the crossover because the cover of issue seven as her and Luke or. Er- yeah. It's the screaming uh, sister. That's the. That's yeah, the yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I did. I wanted to stop because I haven't read. I'm not caught up with the main run of Star Wars. So I didn't, yeah. you know, I needed to wait. Yeah. That's what um, I'm trying to do with, with the show is trying to kind of yeah. keep everything. But the thing is, is with the reason I ask is just because I'm not going to, I won't spoil it because you know, I hate spoilers. Yeah. But like, as. As Afra goes on the, the series, you get more about her backstory and a more about how. I mean, you do get a touch of it because this first arc is about her dad, essentially. It's, right. It's the third Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a bit of everything. It's the first. It begins with Raiders, but it ends with Last Crusade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, exactly. It, it is the plot of Last Crusade. <laughs> it, right? it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it legitimately is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, no, I mean, spoilers, but if you've seen Indiana Jones Last Crusade, you know every beat. I mean, beat for beat, it's all there. Right? It, I mean, it's, it's so good. It is incredible. And so what I think with uh, what it does with the Afro is it flushes her out as a character even more. You get more of a backstory. It gets more, more time to get to know her. But with her introduction in the Vader stuff, it's just she's she's smart talking she is the hand solo she of, of she's got yeah. those quips she's got those smart arsey things and you get those moments where she says something and vader looks at her and then she's like i'm really sorry 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 and it's like you know that vader's like ah she's just useful enough that i can't kill her yet and it, that whole she knows vader's gonna try and kill her like the whole time she outsmarts him yeah which i loved that is vader's not smart no. anakin isn't smart and so i appreciate that gillen never never tried to to make vader vader is dumb because anakin is dumb and again because anakin was anakin's like physically gifted that's what he was as a child that's why he could pottery no other humans could pottery that's his line right and so he's you know he builds 3po but he's like his intelligence is kinetic intelligence he's not book smart right so but afra is book smart and she's worldly smart vader only knows what he knows what's in front of him his his world is small and like you said he's he is the the saying is when you're a hammer everything looks like a nail well he that's what he is he is a sledgehammer and everything looks like a wall that needs to be knocked down where the afra sees that in him too so she from the minute she meets him and gets roped into him she's already figured out how to beat him and she led him there and so what a payoff what great writing that 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 right from the beginning she says exactly what she doesn't want him to do so that he would do it. Yeah. Fuck. That was genius. It's so good. I like applaud. <laughs> it is amazing. It's just like, I will, there are going to be spoilers, so we'll just say what happens. Yeah, obviously. yeah. It's just like, because people, this is meant to be. Well, you've said this already in the last episode. Yeah, you yeah, said exactly. what happened. Sabbath. So people right, yeah. should have listened to last week's episode uh, anyway. Yeah. But um, it is, because I think in the first, one of the first conversations her and Vader ever have on one of the moons of Anthem 13 or whatever the hell it is. And she says to him, like, when you're done with me and you have to kill me, can you kill me by putting a saber, put your saber hilt to my throat and ignite it? Quick death. The last thing I want is to be ejected into space because that's my biggest fear in the entire world. I can't deal with anything on that. Please, please, please. And obviously, it's 25 issues of, of Vader and with Vader down in the middle as well. So it's like, 
the Afro thing doesn't happen to the very end. And I think the Afro stuff happens around issue three or four, I think is when she's introduced. It yeah. might be, I think it's around there. It might be it's in that six. first arc. She comes in in the first yeah. six issues for sure. Yeah. yeah, so it's like, it is, as you say, it's a payoff because also when you're reading these, uh, I think these issues were releasing... I don't think it was once a month. I think it's twice a month. I think, or, or once every three weeks. Oh, is so. that right? Oh, okay. It's, so, it's something like that. Because uh, some of them release monthly, but others don't. The, the scheduling of Star Wars since the start has been a mess for me. But it, it's basically just like that amount of time. And then she gets ejected into space. And you're like, she, when you're reading it for the first time without realizing there could be other Afra stuff, you're like, this this could be the end of an amazing character. It, it, it could be. Because she's just... The brilliance about well, Afra, she's a comic character. Right, because she... She's not in the movies. And so because this is canon and she doesn't show up anywhere, you know that just like with Rogue One, as we were saying off the air when we were chatting with Megan before we started talking, like you go into Rogue One, like I went into Rogue One and I looked at my kids and I was like, they're not all going to die. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, they're older when, you know, they're all, they were in high school when I said this, but it's like, just be prepared. And, uh, you know, cause when, when, when they were little, we, when we were, I was showing them Buffy when they were way too young, probably. But um, we went into the episode of season five when Buffy dies. And I said, before we watched it, I'm like, Buffy dies on this episode, but don't worry. She's back in the next episode. It's okay. They stopped uncontrollably. And they were like, you know, five and six or six and seven. So, you know, at 16 and 17, though, like, I'm like, okay, just so you know, they're like, but you haven't seen this yet. I'm like, Right, but none of these characters are in the in the next movie, which is the first movie. So, you so that's why I thought for sure Afro was going to die. I mean, I knew the Afro series existed, so I knew she must have survived. But it could have been a prequel. I you know I really truly didn't know until I started reading it. So it was such a dodge because she doesn't exist in the other movies. No. So at some point she has to die, or she has to go deep undercover. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. So it was. You know, she's an expendable character. It doesn't matter how popular she is. She can't make it. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. And, and it's one of the... She's the only character who's got her own... Like, a, she's the only character who's got her own series of anything in the comics that right. was, hasn't been the film. Even the miniseries that I've tackled on this show. You know, you've got... There's Captain Phasma, Mace Windu, Kylo Ren. All of the miniseries are about main characters in the films. There's not even there's right. no there's there's the only comics about characters even in Star Wars Rebels or Star Wars Clone Wars which is in the layers of canon you've got movies are top tier the next tier is the animated shows the next tier is books and then the bottom tier is comics and then below that is reference books that's if anything is said in a movie that contradicts anything else the movie's the one you listen to Th- that's what about the games because isn't that how they brought Palpatine back that was the game right well the games no the, yes and no the dead speaks i thought was yes. in a game it is yeah operation cinder which is tackled in the comics um of uh, the Shattered Empire comic, which is like the third episode I think I did or something like that. There is Operation Cinder and there's these bots that have got Palpatine. You have to give them your blood if you're an Imperial officer and then Palpatine's face will ignite on their droid face and it will talk to you and give you some sort of thing to do. In the game Star Wars Battlefront 2, which is the first canon campaign um, of, well, of the new canon, it's the first campaign, and it's about Operation Cinder, which is after Palpatine died, what he did to kind of rid the world of, uh, rid the galaxy of the Empire. That's basically the plot. And Palpatine is in that, but he, people all know he's dead, kind of. But you've got these droids kind of still doing his dirty work. Gotcha. So that's where the thing comes from. But the main big, uh, there's now three canon Star Wars games with stories, which is Battlefront 2, which is the first one, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, 
which is absolutely insanely good. Uh, and that's set uh, after episode... It's like five or ten years after episode three. And then uh, you've got Squadrons, which is out now, which I haven't actually played yet. But that's that's going to be around episode six, seven-ish, I think. But with... With all the comics and things, you've got all these characters that are, you know, you've got, oh, the Kylo Ren comic comes out. And you're like, oh my God, Kylo Ren, because he's such a main character in the sequels. You're like, oh shit, it's a really good series. There's no, and what I was going to say is with Clone Wars and stuff, Clone Wars was massive and things. And Ahsoka is a massive character in it. And so, and Rex is pretty massive as well. But like, the only comic you even get touching anything to do with Clone Wars is the Age of Republic one-shot comics. There's a special that has three mini comics in it. And in that, one is about Rex. One's about Sarge Ventress, who's in Clone Wars, and she's the voice. She's the one in Dooku Jedi Lost, the main one you that we hear. Mm-hmm. And so, e- even in comics, the, almost no one gets touched unless they're from films. So when Afra came out, the whole community was like, "Afra's getting her own comic series." Like you don't get anyone. the The main, the only main series you've got is with Rebels. You've got a character called Kanan, and he had like this twelve run series. So it was like a bit bigger than a mini series. He had that. Aside from that, there's none. There's no one else. It, it, a lot of the characters, even in books, don't necessarily even get mentioned in comics and stuff or anywhere else. So it's, right. it's so weird that they, they put a gamble on Afro, And it's a gamble that paid off so well because this, one of the other things I want to see on the show, Takai Watiti and Kathleen Kennedy are making a Star Wars movie together. Well, if anyone doesn't know, Takai Watiti made Thor Ragnarok, Jojo Rabbit, uh, Boy, and Hunt for the Wilder People. And he's also the voice of... What well, we do in The Shadows, too. Yeah, that, what we do in The Shadows, yeah, the movie. Indeed. And I think he produces the series as well. Uh, but it's his idea to do that thing. And he's the voice of IG-11 in The Mandalorian. Kathleen Kennedy is the current uh, top dog. And always... What? Hasn't she been a top dog at Lucasfilm for a long time? Yes. I believe that she was like didn't, second to Lucas. And then. Didn't she make them? She survived the merger. Yeah. I think Lucas. What the rumor says is that Lucas, uh, his condition was he would only give it up if Kennedy was the, the top of Lucasfilm. Okay. For okay. a certain period. Like, uh, everyone suspects it's probably a decade. That's kind of what people okay. are thinking, but she she's always been involved with Lucasfilm, so she's she's got that. And so her and Takawa Titi are making a next Star Wars film, and I think it's going to be Afra, because okay, I mean it sounds weird, and it may I may be wrong, but I have a feeling it'll be Afra after Episode Six. That's what I think, because there's not any movies set between Episode Six and Seven yet, so it'd be a good anthology movie to fit in there, because then you've got you know the two between you know Solo and, and Rogue One, which are between three and four, and then you have a nice space between Six and Seven. She also. Star Wars don't like repeating themselves too often, weirdly enough. Like, you don't get the same content released over and over and over again. Um, but after you did, because the Afro audiobook is just her involvement in the Vader comics, but from her perspective, I think it's like a diary she's she's writing. Oh, cool. Um, cool. So it's her first person narrating it. And there's, there's extended scenes in it. There's like, I think about 10 or 20% new content. But the rest of it is like certain scenes from her perspective that you get which is quite cool and um, i haven't listened to it for full clarity just because i wasn't that interested in it because i a star wars youtuber i really like listened to it and he basically said 10 20 percent difference if that but why would they why would they release an audio drama and they've only made one other audio drama which is uh duke of jedi lost all the other audio books are just audio books of sound effects the audio drama specifically afra is the second audio drama they're doing it to retell afra's story in the vader comics because that's the only story which has Afra in it that doesn't have her name attached. So if you're getting into Afra and you're like, oh, I want to get all the Afra content, you buy the first run of Afra comics, you buy the second run of Afra comics, you're missing all the Vader stuff. But right. if they've released the audio drama, then you get all her backstory. And why would they 
go over content they've already done previously if they're not building up to something. They don't build it up for books. She's already got two comic series out other than an animated series or a live action series for Disney Plus, which I suspect could anything could you, Tony, think of anything cooler than a Doctor Afra series, which is basically just every episode is like an episode is like a whole film of Indiana Jones, but with triple zero and eighty one. That would be I would I would I don't have I, I currently don't, you know, with with Disney Plus, I kind of turn it on and turn it off and turn it like we do with all of our we don't have all our streaming services on at once. So Disney Plus is off right now. Um I would be on and turn it right the fuck on. I would love that. I'm all in on that. I haven't even watched the Mandalorian yet because I didn't. I was trying to watch all of the the other comic, the Stone Wars, and I didn't get through it all. Because you started um, series one, and I told you not to. I did, I, but I I was a completist. I know what you told me. I'm not trying to say you were wrong. I'm just saying <laughs> I personally had to complete. So anyway, um, I think I think that would be amazing, and I think Taika Waititi because she's funny, because Afra's funny. I would hope that Taika's smart enough that he would bring in Kieran as an as an advisor because it's his character just to get her tone right and to make sure that he, you know, that he, that he did well, that. He isn't uh, doing the second run, just to clarify. He, the second run of Afro comics is done by Alyssa Wong. Okay. And, but and Keelan stopped doing Afro after issue 19 as well. Oh, did he? Oh, okay. Yeah. So, okay. He, well, well. so I, I, I would like him to get on the thing because he did create the character. Yeah, yeah. I agree. But I thought I'd let you know, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> fair. Well, he's busy. He's got uh, Wicked and Divide and he's got Die and he's all over the place. I mean, he's, he's an amazing comic writer and I'm going to actually be covering Wicked and Divine towards the end of the year on, on my show um, with Faye Clark. And I think that um, Afra, that makes perfect sense what you're saying. I know that Rain Ryan Johnson still has the plan to make his own non-Skywalker trilogy. And I just assume that Joseph Gordon-Levitt will be the star of that because Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in every Rain Johnson movie, right? <laughs> and like, he hasn't no, been in Star Wars yet. And he hasn't been in Star Wars no, no. So that makes perfect sense. No, he, he did a voice. He did a voice in the... Um, in the uh, uh, second in Ryan Johnson's Star Wars, Last Jedi, yeah, Last Jedi. He does one voice, uh, Candlebite. He does like, he's just a voice. Uh, he's the one who like points to Rose and Finn when they're running away. That's yeah. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, yeah. But so yeah, I suspect he'll be the star of whatever Ryan Johnson's doing, which I'll watch the shit out of because I, I feel like when you build a world, and this is why I think Afro works, and why I agree with you that that would be genius. And if they want to bring it, in, I, I would be fine if they if they also made it into movies. Um, I get what you're saying though, as a series, it would be great. Um, I really like um, the reboot of, and I may have said this to you, she reminds me of the Lara Croft character a little bit too. And the reboot of the Lara Croft movie, that the one with, I can never say her name. Alessandro or something, isn't it? Some sort of- Vivandic here, yes. Oscar winner, whose name I can't say. She's great. It was really fun. I really liked it. And it was like this Indiana Jones sequel we all wanted. I thought the new Tomb Raider. So I think, yes, making making that would be fantastic. I would watch the shit out of that. Um, but I think, I feel like if if Taika wanted to make a film trilogy of her too, um, that would also be fine. You know, and then he could, he could, we that's, we'd find out how she dies or if she doesn't die. He could, because Taika is such a smart writer I think he could look at seven, eight, nine and figure out somewhere some character in the background who actually is Afra. He could squeeze her in to continuity if he wanted to, or even go back to five, six, and seven and go, because that's what this is doing. It's rewriting the backstory of five, six, and seven. So I, he could even go back and find a spot in there, some character in the background who's in a mask, and that's Afra. 
you know, and, and start there. I would be all in. I think it's genius. Uh, I think that's a smart, I, you mentioned that on one of the shows before too. I think, I think that's what will happen. And if, if you have made this into existence, clearly they need to bring you on as a consultant. I mean, that would be, my dream would literally just be them sending me early drafts of Star Wars stuff. And I read it and go, because you've got, you've got a guy called Pablo Hidalgo, who's basically the king of canon, as I kind of deem mm-hmm. it, because him and Dave Filoni and Kathleen Kennedy, they're like the trifecta of the reason the new canon works. A lot of people say it doesn't. They can fuck off. If you don't like the sequel trilogy, that's fine. I accept that. Yeah. I do not think they're perfect by any stretch of the imagination. And the biggest... You and I will do battle. Over yeah, we will. In Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. Life of Skywalker, I mean. Yeah, yeah. I will defend Last Jedi. I'm one of the few people on the planet. I, I, I like them all. Yeah. I like them I, all. Yeah. I like Rise of Skywalker, I want to clarify. I just think it's the worst of the three. Uh, but It'll be fun to do. It'll be it fun will. to hear you. Yeah. I'm, exci- I'm excited to have defended Phantom Menace and then attack rise of skywalker it's going to be fun times go from one end to the other yeah, yeah. anyway sorry uh, that's fine it's it never never apologize for interrupting me tony people need to okay. do it more often um <laughs> but essentially it's one of those things with styles where the new canon movies are not great i will agree with that however or not not great i love them i think they're all great but there's some serious serious flaws because they didn't have the groundwork like george did for the prequels the prequels are a mess in certain ways what they're not a mess on is continual storyline leading on from itself they are very clearly from the start you he outlined it yep. yeah you knew if you when you look you see order 66 is going to happen like you don't see it until you've seen episode three but obviously anyone who says that they had it all set for a sequel trilogy is a liar um because Colin Trevorrow's script is completely different to what JJ's script was. So, you know, that's mm-hmm. a big thing. Anyway, um, but because of the new canon, we've got all these new comics. That, and because Pablo Hidalgo, he's the the head of basically, I can't remember what the term is, I guess the Lucas Story Group. He's the person who knows everything about all the continuity and everything like that. When all new authors write books, they basically have to speak with him and just make sure nothing that they do in their books or say a character is doing in their books contradicts what Pablo Hidalgo and his team is working with everyone else. He's like the central hub for continuity uh, and things. And apparently J.J. Abrams barely spoke to him, which explains a lot. That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Ryan Johnson spoke to him loads. So, you know, that's one of the reasons I like uh, Last Jedi as well. Anyway, um, so the thing is, is that what I like about the new canon is there's so many things that are interconnecting and they're now going to be hopefully trying some new things. And series of disney plus is the ultimate way of doing that and i think sure afro series that to be fair if they animate it i don't necessarily i would prefer it in live action but if they animate they could get away with so much more because like with um i mean the character we haven't spoken about is triple zero and bt1 and i'd say they're they're probably 30 percent of afra's appeal for me personally afra as a character she is amazing but the things that really bolster up is how ingenious triple zero and bt1 are they're so funny yeah well we'll talk about that i'll ask your opinion on them in one sec but the thing i will say about them is because triple zero being like a bloodthirsty psychopath who wants to drain the blood of his enemies that in a cartoon if it was a pg maybe a pg-13 or something that would work okay because you could get away with certain things if you have that live action i don't know if that will push too much against what Disney want to do, if you know, if you see what I'm saying, so I want to ask, like, what are your thoughts on animated slash live action BT One and Triple Zero, but also on just Triple Zero BT One? Well, I like them a lot. They're really great. They they get funnier as it goes, yeah. Um, as you get to know them and their relationship, because it is they are three PO and R two. I mean, BT looks like R five D four, the red one from the original. He, he's built like that. He's not yeah. round. Like R2, he's got the the don't more mid. conical, don't, yeah, I don't, yeah, it's R5, D4, that's what he looks like, right? The red one, that's that's his shape. 
from the original Star Wars. So I like it because it's like that original pairing was supposed to be R5D4 and 3PO. So it's like if they that pairing had gone another way. So I just think that's really funny. So I think they're really clever. I, I think their tone is right. Um, I think his, because you learn that triple zero is evil because it's the triple zero matrix that was, that they tried to destroy. And of course, Afra, you know, jury rigged it to get it to work for her advantage, but she's also allowing it to, to live. And so she's like constantly, it works as, as a, a look into her personality, as much as they're hysterical, the fact that she's the one who brings him to life and allows him to exist. She could shut him down. She, but she chooses not to. So that says a lot about her, about what she needs and her, her always putting herself in dangerous situations. And because she's always willing to put herself in dangerous situations, she needs a serial killer, sociopathic robot twins to help her. So I think, but I think you're right. I, I think my concern with putting an Afra cartoon on Disney Plus is people will let their five-year-olds watch it. Mm-hmm. And so I think it has to go the Mandalorian route. It has to be a, for, you know, a darker, not an MA, but a darker, kind of like a bloodless BT flame throws people. It can happen off screen. Mm-hmm. You can have um, triple zero, you know, coming in on someone and then it cuts. So you can keep, I mean, every James Bond movie is PG-13, right? And he, there's how many people does he kill in every single movie? <laughs> Because it's all bloodless. There's no blood in a James Bond movie. That's what keeps it PG-13. So I think you could make Afra bloodless because you've got um, the Wookiee, what's his name, Black, Kersan, Kersantin. He, um, he's awesome. What a great character. And he's also flawed, right? He's also broken. He just wants to find out who who enslaved him and break them in half. He wants to use their the things that they did to him against them. What a great, he's like Spartacus, yeah. right? That's who he is. And so I love that you've got this Wookiee Spartacus character. And like, there's this scene when he's fighting an entire fleet of on Yavin 4. Oh my God, that was awesome. What a great, great. What a, he's just destroys all these people by himself. And, and they're like, oh, it's just a Wookiee. And then we're like, well, it's not, it's not Chewbacca, man. <laughs> and um, although, you know, you suspect it also lets you see what Chewie could be. It shows you what a good person Chewie is because he doesn't become because hmm. he's in slavery when you first meet him too, right? You know, when Khan first meets him. So it's so good. So I think it has to be live action. The problem is it'll be really expensive. So it would have to be, um, that's why I wonder if they would just do movies because then they could give him a $100 million budget and he could go. Because I don't know if you get a $100 million budget to do a show. Even if you did it over six or seven hours, I, I just, I think it would work better. That was my long-winded way to say it, it would work better as live action I think we, you and I talked about it. I think Brenda Song should play her. Mm, yes, I maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. We spoke about this. Uh, I think she, yeah. she's a little bit too old now. Brenda is. Um, she's probably in her mid thirties. But that, of but that could work if it was set between. Because what I assume is that. Oh, is, you're right. It'll, you're right. She's going to have be, to be older because if it's going to be set between episode uh, six and seven, yeah, yeah, that's like a near was 30, 30 year difference. So yeah, I, I think I think she's the answer. She's such a good actor. She's really funny. Brenda Song is really funny, and she's done action. I mean, it's been like action comedy. She did a few on the Disney Channel. So I really think she'd be really good um, if you're going to want to get a big name. I mean, if they just want to go find some no name actor, that's fine too. But I, that's who I would cast 
tomorrow. Although Aquafina is super hot right now in the world, like people, she's yeah. in a lot of, so she'd be a fine, she'd be, she was good at Ocean's 8, so she's really funny. Um, that could work too, but I, I would I would cast Brenda Song and give Taika Waititi the thing. His his boy is such a good movie. I haven't seen it. It's the only one of his films I haven't seen. Nothing happens. It's again. It's about it's about a, it's a father and son relationship. So I think, and the boy being kind of broken by his deadbeat dad, who Taika plays. Taika plays. He likes to cast himself like he played Hitler, right? Yeah, he, he likes did, to yeah. cast himself as the villain. And so I think because he gets, I don't know his life story. I don't know anything about him, but he really, Hunt for the Wilder People is the same thing. He, he deals with this relationship, this father, this parent-child relationship so well, even Thor, even in Ragnarok, mm. he deals with it. So I think he'd be a perfect fit for this because part of Afra's deal is she's mad at her dad. She's lost her mom. She's heartbroken and lost. So I think it would really, I think he'd bring the right amount of everything. I agree. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna say, Hunt for the Wilder People is one of my all-time favorite films. I just, it, it's so it's, it's one of the only films that's ever almost made me cry of happiness. Like I've never cried of happiness in my life. Um, maybe I will one day, but in yeah. that film, you will. Yeah, I, I imagine I will. People tell me I probably won't have kids and stuff, which I could I see that happening. But in Hunt for the Wilder People, it's, it's just at the start. It's like I won't spoil the film in any way for anyone. But it's just once he settles in with the family and the the sort of mum character tucks him in. And says, you're going to run away tonight? And he's like, maybe. She's like, okay, well, I'll leave the door open if you do. And it's like, ah, oh, he's, it, it, you just feel so happy because he's had such a crap life and no one gives a shit about him. And they finally do. And it's like such a beautiful moment. And oh, I love it. Um, but yeah, with funny, I did a bit of research on Black Chrysanthemum because obviously with my show, I've been, what I'm trying to strive for is people. The main run of Star Wars comics is, is ongoing. And then obviously I, I positioned the Darth Vader releases so they would be parallel to the story as well. Some people are reading along or whatever, then it works with that as well. And I'm trying to do that with Aphra as well. So like the next after this is going to be Age of Republic. And then after that, I think is the Journals of Old Ben Kenobi. Right, Black, yeah. Black Chrysanthemum is in the Journals of Old Ben Kenobi. I didn't even know. Oh, the scars know on his face are because of Obi-Wan. I only found that out today. I found that literally researching this because I was like... I basically what I do is um there's a thing called Wikipedia, uh, which is really 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 good, and the main thing I use that for because obviously I I have all the comics, so I read the comics myself, but it's a good reference point for seeing which characters show up elsewhere. So you just you type in Black Cassandra and whatever, and then you go down to the bottom and it says appearances, and there's you know Doctor Aphra Zero to blah, and then I saw he was in randomly like Star Wars seventeen or something, and I was like what? I was like no, it's bloody well not. I've read all the Star Wars. I know this, but I haven't read the Journals of Old Ben Kenobi. So I was like, when is he in that? Maybe it's the background. I click on it, and it's about Black Cassandra being hired by Jabba the Hutt because there's the three old Ben Kenobi uh, comics, and they're like a vaguely continuous story. And I've not even read them, as in, not I haven't tackled them on the show. I haven't actually read them at all because I started reading the Star Wars comics after the Screaming Citadel. So all of the Star Wars comics that I've actually been doing on the show, I haven't read before. I've read the Vader ones, and I've read Aphra, and I've read a lot of the miniseries, but the main run of Star Wars, I started around issue 30. So I never read the old Ben stuff. So finding out that old Ben and the Black Cassandra stuff is in there, that was news to me today, and I was like, man, things just... It seems like I'm really organised with Star Wars comics and canon, where I'm managing to start the Aphra series around the time where Black Cassandra is in the old Ben Kenobi journal. But I just... (laughs) I just flew my way through it. (laughs) That's awesome. No, and I think that's great. Oh, I think that's great. I didn't know that. That's so cool. Yeah, I actually... So the Star Wars stuff, um, you know, I've been trying to keep up with you, but I, I got behind because I didn't have Marvel Unlimited, and now that I do, 
but I also am reading stuff for my, you know, and I'm always reading, like I read a Hannah Arendt book called The Origins of Totalitarianism over the last week, nice. which is brutal, by the way. It's a, turns out that in 1961, she knew that Donald Trump would be president. She wrote a book to warn us and we didn't listen. Um, it's frightening. It's frightening. <laughs> Like, oh, fuck. Anyway, sorry. That was so I'm always reading. So anyway, that was my point was I haven't read. I'm I, now that I've got Marvel Unlimited, I'm gonna go back because with Afra Seven catching up to Star Wars, and I've read Vader Down, so but that was easy to do mm. because I got the Vader Down book, um, which just goes back like the digital version, yeah, just has the Star Wars ones. I didn't have to flip back and forth. Mm-hmm. So um, so I'm gonna go back to Star Wars one and start. And then read all those so that I can catch up and then I can read the Afro ones. Cause yeah. now that I'm not reading them on the, as collections, I'm not reading them on Hoopla, I'm reading them on Marvel Unlimited. I, they won't go back and forth. Like it'll be like it, the next issue will just be Afro 18, but I need to read Star Wars 17. Well, the good thing is the Screaming Citadel has been released as its own thing. Oh, it has. Oh, so okay. It's own trade paperback. So you, what you should be able to do is either they'll clever, I don't know how, uh, Marvel Unlimited works but either they'll cleverly say the next issue if you read because Screaming Citadel 1 is, is its own thing just like Vader Down oh it is because Vader Down 1 and Screaming Citadel 1 are their own things and then the second issue is then the Star Wars then the third issue oh uh, yeah no so, that I'm, Marvel Unlimited it's not that way it just goes to the next issue of the book you're reading right Um. so you have to find it like you can you can but right so I can just go get the, the trade Citadel. from yeah. Okay. Yeah. Same cool. as the old the journals of old Ben Kenobi because like you, they are releasing that in the next couple months of the trade paperback version of the journals of old Ben Kenobi and that is oh, the nice. three individual issues which are in the annuals of the other in the volumes of the other Star Wars comics which I haven't tackled I think it's like like seventeen twenty and twenty four or something but then the next Star Wars thing I'm doing which is Yoda's Secret War uh, which is the Star Wars collection before Screaming Citadel that is so meta he's got luke is reading the journals of old ben kenobi and in the journals of old ben kenobi uh, old ben slash obi one is recalling a story that yoda told him set before nice. phantom menace <laughs> so nice. and, and i've read the story cool. yet so the, the trade paperback collection of the journals of old ben kenobi are the three standalone sort of uh ben comics and then also yoda secret war within that which is quite cool too um nice yeah but it, it's really doing this show has made me appreciate styles a lot more because when I was saying with Wikipedia and stuff, like I I don't I don't talk on the show about how I don't go on the show. And go, hey, yes, this I use Wikipedia for eighteen hours on this. I, I yeah, yeah. Because it's like <laughs> I don't just seem like, hey, I'm a glorified Wikipedia reader because that is yeah, not yeah. what I do at all. It is genuinely I've got everything and I'm basically just trawling through a lot. Like I, I literally I, I did it the other day while I was just recording and then there was one tiny detail i couldn't remember and i was like i'll cheat i'll go on wikipedia but wikipedia doesn't have the full plots of every individual comic issue in there it normally has like a synopsis certain big issues like vader down it'll have the whole thing but other ones it doesn't and i was like there's one little plot detail and i couldn't remember it and it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't online or anywhere so i had to go in my comic bin and trawl through and i was like i think yeah. it's in but with wikipedia it, when i did the dooku stuff that was good the whole dooku profile thing because trying to wrap your head around master and apprentices chapters which go back in time with dooku jedi lost which is also half back in time as well as it's just become such a fucking mess Uh, the amount of time it took me to figure out when dooku even left the goddamn jedi order was so difficult but it was good you did it 
Well, thank you. I appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, I, I would say that Wikipedia is a great thing if people want to find the connective tissue, because that is a lot of the time when I'm just like, oh, Admiral, blah, blah, blah. He's in the... I don't have the memory of a god where I know where every Star Wars character comes from. It is genuinely like, oh, I know the Star Wars characters in these three other comics. I wonder what else they appear in. And then normally I end up sending myself down deep rabbit holes of finding out where these random one-off characters in the film for like one second, <laughs> where yeah. all the kind of content they are. But you know, it's good. And then we'll have to go because I'm going to have to get back to work before I have to make dinner in a little bit. So I should have said that before we started. Sorry, because you can edit that out. Sorry. But the one thing <laughs> that, the one thing about that that is accurate, that why that's important is because Lucasfilm marketed toys and that was his big deal was, I want all the toy rights and everybody laughed at him and they're like, sure. So then he made the deal with Mattel and made a gazillion, a trillion dollars. And <laughs> those original run of Star Wars toys that were out when I was four years old, every character in the cantina, which is why I think, this is look at this title background, why I think everybody thought they wanted a deep dive into the most likely cantina is because every character had a toy. Hammerhead had a toy. Of course, Greedo, you need Greedo. But then there was like the walrus man and there was like a short version of him and a tall version of him. And I had them both. And there was like... <laughs> everybody had a toy and that had a name. Like, so Lucas is one of the first people who named everybody in the background. Mm -hmm. And so that's where he thought he was doing well with the details. But we're like, just because you give that guy in the background a name doesn't mean you're good with details. It just means you built a cool rule and that guy has a name. But who gives a shit about that guy? You know what I mean? So I think that's why he thought he was good at that. So I think it makes sense, though, that there needs to be a place that does that because that is the legacy of Star Wars is that everybody in every room has a name. Every, you know, every like you just talked in the last episode about the, the guard, the the pig guard who survives the end of the Jedi, the end of the survives Jabba's death. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Malakili. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. He has a name. And so because George Lucas gave him a name, he can have a story for somebody to dig into. So I think that's why your show is good. Why Wikipedia exists and why the universe is never, is never ending because in the background, some that character has a name, that character did a thing, that character has a story. How did that character, how did Salacious Chrome come to be, you know, in Jabba's sail barge? Well, let's find out. And so, you know, so it makes sense to me that you can go down those rabbit holes because that's always been the history of Star Wars because of the toys. Every character had a toy, therefore he had to have a name. You can't just have a character and be like random guy from Thug from Moss Eisley. It had to have a name. And once you do that, those names aren't said in the movie. <laughs> no. But once that happens, that that's the thing. So I think it's where the canon content while you're doing, you know, yeoman's work for all of us is your is those of us who, who care about this and wanna know more, you you we don't have to do all the work you're doing. So I mean you're doing it for free, which is silly. So, but I appreciate it. <laughs> you know, like I'm not paying you for this and you're letting me come out and talk about it. Um that's somehow my reward. So it's 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 impressive. And so hopefully, you know, like that'll be the dream. We'll all we'll all start a campaign to get you in front of Kathleen Kennedy and and you can be part of the team. Because that's the, that's the dream. I, Just have I've to said it to you repeatedly. Like you should have you should have you could put this all together too and make it a really accessible way uh, for everybody. Because I think what you do is you humanize it and you make the references back. And it's like not everybody wants to spend the time you do 
but we want to know, like we're curious and then we forget. It's like, oh, I mean, I can't tell you how many times my wife and I'll be like, oh yeah, we should look up blah, blah, blah. And then 15 minutes later, you forgot to do it. So you are that for us. So I appreciate <laughs> it. I appreciate you. Well, thank you so much, Tony. I mean, it, it's wonderful. I mean, I have a lot of fun doing it. Um, so I think we'll, we'll kind of wrap up here. I want to ask you a couple of things off air, for all. Okay. <laughs> just, just so you sure. don't zoom off immediately. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, I mean, yeah. Unfortunately, what I'll say to the listeners is that I'll probably end up tackling the full volume one of Afra in a couple of weeks' time, just as in my usual format. Um, just because what I want to always make sure of this is that I, it's a thin line I try and balance on. But uh, you are the main person who I ask for uh, criticism and stuff because I know you give me an honest thing, which is just like I try to have it so it's accessible if you've basically barely watched Star Wars before, but also if you've watched every Star Wars from a billion times, it's still interesting. And I, I try to, I almost. The way I try and do both genuine chit chat and Star Wars comics in canon, and I basically go, if I wanted a Star Wars comics podcast, what would I want from it? And it's basically, I don't want theories because bluntly, I don't give a shit about theories. If, if completely honest with you, I don't care what you think. As in, I don't listen to people on YouTube go on about the big theories of what happened with in Episode Nine before it came out because honestly, you're either going to be right and it's a spoiler, or you're going to be wrong and you're talking to you about it's pointless talk with friends just watch the movie yeah Yeah. talk with friends i get i love talking with friends but i don't spend hours of my time theorizing and putting it online i want to know what is canon and what i do is i go through the comics and i go here's the vague narrative and as you say i'm glad you said it earlier on which is i specifically leave out things and sometimes i leave out some really good stuff because it is amazing but if i read it, it it's just cool but some of the some of the dialogue of Triple Zero is so good. I specifically so avoid because I'm just like if you read the comics, you'll get the reward of reading it without me just picking out all the best stuff and you getting all this filler. So I do appreciate yeah. that, Tony. Um, yeah, obviously, it's true. Your show, Indie Comic Spotlight, it comes out the yes. day before Star Wars Comics in Canada because you and I are ultra regulars. I think we've missed since we started our shows. Uh, oh no, I've missed one week. I think you um, missed one week when you guys went on vacation. I think. Yeah. Terrible person. Yeah. I am. I'm awful. Um, How dare you? I know, it's, I know. And I don't have, I don't have styles comics and canon recorded ahead. I do with genuine chit chat, but I don't with, uh, yeah. comics and canon, but, um, obviously your show comes out the day before mine and there's no reason to not listen to your show. And obviously I've been on your Thank show you. and in the show notes yeah. of both genuine chit chat and styles comics and canon, I think I have mentioned me being on your show as well, but let, all the people know one more time where they can find you a tiny description of your show and then we'll hang this up sure i'm on i'm on twitter at tricycle blue box my website is arfarina.com if you're not on twitter but you want to send me a note um you there's a contact me button there um you link to all of our shows are linked there the um there's a link to your my, one of my appearances on your genuine chit chat plus all this stuff from uh, Comics in Motion is linked there, and um, there will be a link coming. It'll be a few months down the right line, but I've written an essay for Scott's Dread book, um, a political commentary on Judge Dread, and I've written about the Days of Chaos, and that's coming out in February, so you'll be able to link there. If you're now it's February and you're listening to this show, you'll be like, "Oh, that is cool! I'll go to Tony's website and I'll buy that book." You should. Um, so I'm very excited about that. So thanks Scott for letting me write that essay. So that's where you can find me. So Indie Comic Spotlight is just a show where I, we don't rate them on there. I don't give them a, a rating. Max does that on his um, show. And I appreciate that Max does that because I think he's trying to show you know the variants of the biggest and the best in DC and Marvel. And so I think giving them a rating is good to give people an idea of what their likelihood is that they want to read it. But for me, the reason I don't do a rating is because I even I've covered some books I don't really particularly love, but I just want to talk about. And and I kind of apply my I'm an English teacher by nature, 
by trade too, I've always been a big reader. So I always try to look at things at a deeper level. And you and I had a really interesting, you know, deep conversation. We did Second Coming and we'll do it again when we interview Mark. So that's my show, um, deep dive into non-big two stuff. Um, and it's hard sometimes to not want to give it a rating to be like, this is five stars, you should totally fucking buy it. But I don't because, <laughs> because I want you to, I just want you to hear what it's about and, um, you know, have a thought about it. So that's that next week. This is coming out. So this is coming out this. So just yesterday I had, uh, Jack, um, he has, we, we covered, um, Firefly, the dark horse run on Firefly. Um, and Greg Pack, who is writing Darth Vader now, he's doing the Boom Studios Firefly. So we talk about that too. So that's what you just heard yesterday. And if you haven't, you should go back and listen to Jack and I talk about Firefly. Exactly. And, you know, Indie Comics Spotlight is one of the many amazing shows on Comics Emotion. It's it's so awesome to be a part of it. Uh, it and is. it's just, there's so many amazing shows of like any reason you like anything. And it's like with Sars Comics Canon, I don't give things ratings either because... I think, as you say, with Max's show, it works really well because it's like the best of the best. You have to yeah, to a degree differentiate. You have to, yeah. But, but like your show is about highlighting things that people may not have necessarily found, which are really interesting or different. And my show is like, here's everything that's not in the movies to do with Star Wars, basically, and all these random little side bits uh, and things, all the tiny details. So I am the details that George Lucas misses out. There you go. You are, and I appreciate you for that. (laughs) And I appreciate you, Tony. It's always an absolute pleasure to have you on. I'll include all the links in the description, as always. And, well, you know, me and you are going to be regular collaborators forever. So I will be... I hope so. I'm coming on your show soon, and you'll be on mine again soon, no doubt. And we did Scott Pilgrim on the TV movies of Comics and Motion. That was so fun. So loads of things. If you want to hear mine and Tony's voices, there's never ending. Amounts of All the time. Just everywhere. Constantly. Easy. Awesome, awesome. Oh, I hang up here, then. Okay. And that's the end of mine and Tony's chat. Really hope you guys enjoyed that. If you like this kind of conversational style, make sure you check out my other show, Genuine Chit Chat. I have had Tony on twice before, I think, uh, on that show. And I've also had certain other guys from Comics and Motion on there as well. So it's a real fun time, in my opinion, which is why I do it so much. Um, I will also say, just as a little thing, coming up in the few weeks... Uh, next week I'm going to be doing the Age of Republic comics for Obi-Wan Kenobi and Qui-Gon Jinn and a bit of character information about them and stuff. It kind of jumps off the Master and Apprentice episode I did a little while or a couple weeks ago. So that works really, really well. Uh, And then the week after that I'm going to be tackling the journals of Old Ben Kenobi, which I touched upon in here. Uh, They are the Star Wars main run comics. There's three of them that are main ones, which is basically about Obi-Wan's time on Tatooine. Uh, Hopefully they're going to be some degree of influence or some sort of impact on the upcoming Kenobi series, but I thought I'd do them because the trade paperback of the Journal of Old Ben Kenobi is coming out and then also the next issue or the next volume in the Star Wars main run is going to be Yoda's Secret War and that is a four or five issue arc and within that is basically the Journals of Old Ben Kenobi as well so it all kind of leads on to themselves quite easily. After I've sorted Yoda's Secret War uh, there's going to be another week where I haven't fully decided what I'm going to do in that week as of yet. Uh, there's a few sort of mini series I have not yet tackled called one of them is the Lando Double or Nothing comic which is basically Donald Glover's Lando basically it's just a little prequel to the Solo a Star Wars story movie so I'm, I think I'm going to tackle that next uh, I haven't 100% decided but I've got that I've now got the TIE Fighter uh, miniseries I've got that TIE Fighter collection which is quite cool and I've also got Vader Dark Visions which is five one shots about 
people interacting with Darth Vader. That's quite cool. So I'm going to decide between one of them. And then the following week, I am going to be doing the first volume of Dr. Aphra in air quotes properly. Uh, obviously, in this chat, we just kind of spoke about it a bit. Whereas in this one, the, the Dr. Aphra first run, I'm going to do what I normally do, which is, you know, go through it narrative wise, collect, like pick up little connections and things like that and kind of go from there. And then that will make the week after that. I'm probably going to do another Age of Republic thing i'm probably going to end up doing Django fett and grievous i would presume on that one uh, and then the week after that i will then do the screaming citadel which me and tony very lightly touched upon in here and that is the main run of star wars crossing over with dr afro so that's what you can expect from this show in the coming weeks make sure you subscribe share to all of your friends and family and everyone you know even if they don't like star wars send this to them now anyway uh i've also started uploading things to the genuine chit chat youtube channel uh I'm, I'm basically trying to do one or two a week of star wars comics and canon just so I then youtube is kind of up to date with it and then if people would prefer to listen on youtube to this you can go ahead and i have a nice little graphic which also shows the cover of the comic that i'm normally speaking about so that's fun also make sure you follow me on social media at genuine chit chat uh, on instagram normally the week of me posting the new episode so as in i try and do it on the same day obviously these episodes come out on saturdays but normally it ends up being a sunday or a monday and i'll post you know i'll say our new episode of styles comics and canons out blah 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 but then i'll also include photos of i've got them all in physical copies so i normally take a photo of the cover of the uh book the title crawl and then each of the covers within it and then on the odd occasion if i'm really specifically speaking about some action scene or artwork or mini story or something that happens in there i'll often take a photo of that as well when i did the darth vader comic uh, last week i think it was that was quite fun because I took a couple of photos of that, including the Coda story about the Tuscan Raiders hailing and worshipping the Wicker Man that they made into Darth Vader. If you want to see what a picture of that looks like, I'm sure you can either Google it or you can go on my Instagram and then give me a little like. So that'll be nice and fun. Huzzah. Anyway, I'm going to go, guys. All this outro is going to be unnecessarily long. So I hope you guys enjoyed it too. Please send me any feedback you have if you enjoyed this kind of chat, if you didn't like it, if you have any pointers, blah, blah, blah. All that usual jazz. Anyway, guys, I will be talking to you next Saturday. And as always, always may the force be with you the intro for star wars comics and canon is arranged by myself mike burton and the backing music was made by eric matias of soundimage.org you have just experienced host creator everything else of genuine chit chat and also the host and creator of star wars comics and canon found on the comics in motion podcast mike burton